Well, for this World Communion Sunday, we have set the table with breads from around the world, and we're wearing these stoles this morning from also around the world. Mine was made and purchased in Guatemala, a symbol of our unity, the body of Christ from wherever we are worldwide. I want to read just a few verses from the Gospel of Mark, our text for this morning, begins with the 13th verse of chapter 10. Listen for God's word for you. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? And so, dear God, we come before you on this special day of celebration in which we all are invited to come to your table. We ask that you would speak to us as only a living God can, that you would speak to us the kind of word that strikes to the place where soul and spirit meet. For we pray it in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. I don't know how closely you may have followed Pope Francis' visit to the United States within the last two weeks. He was here for six days. Perhaps you saw that image that illustrates this scripture so beautifully. A young woman, a child from California, was on a mission. And her mission was to present a request, a written request to the Pope. I think it was in Washington, D.C. Her parents are apparently undocumented immigrants. So during one of the motorcades, one of the early motorcades, as the Pope was driving along the street in the Pope-mobile, she worked her way through the barricades and was out on the street, quickly being sequestered by the security that was walking alongside the Pope-mobile. And when the Pope noticed what was happening... He waved them to allow her to come through to the Jeep Wrangler Popemobile. So security picked her up. She's probably seven years old. Carried her over to the Pope. He embraced her, and then she handed him her letter. It was a great image of this leader of 1.2 billion Roman Catholics in the world, and in many ways, perhaps the official spokesperson for the entire world of the Christian faith. 
and he received her. This child who didn't have any right to expect an audience with the Pope who was there to meet with President Obama and the heads of state. Now there's a memory like that that Mark is writing about in the Gospel that had to do with Jesus welcoming children. Jesus not only welcomed them, he blessed them. And then he says, truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now somehow Jesus treats children as symbols of God's activity in the world, but what kind of a symbol is this? I've heard plenty of sermons, and I've even preached one or two, that take the approach that what Jesus was lifting up here was the innocence of children. And Jesus wants us to emulate a child's innocence. But then I became a parent. And as any parent knows, there's very little innocence about children. That's a complete myth. One mother overheard her son talking to the kid next door. They were playing, these two boys, in his bedroom, and they'd left the door open. The mother and her husband had just recently given their son a puppy. So the kid next door is complaining because his parents wouldn't allow him to have a puppy. They won't let me have a dog, he said. I begged and begged, and they always say no. Then the mother heard her son say to his friend, well, you just didn't go about it the right way. You keep asking for a puppy. The best way to get a puppy is to ask for a little brother, and then they'll settle for a puppy every time. (laughs) It's not childhood innocence. That would be a a sentimental reading of this text. But Jesus is talking about the relationships of a child. And whether a child is attractive and delightful to be with or unruly and difficult, a child is utterly dependent on his or her parents. Everything comes from them as a gift to the child. The child receives and the child takes And a child doesn't earn any of this. So it's not about innocence. It's about receptivity. Receptiveness. Jesus seems to be saying that unless people are somehow willing to receive the life God offers as a child, receives a gift from their parents' hand, A person simply can't have it. And self-sufficient people like you and me are most likely to miss it altogether. But people who are willing to own their own weaknesses become candidates for God's grace. But that is not particularly easy for any of us. Take, for example, the man who whose life had spun out of control. He was successful, and then he was arrested for speeding 
down the wrong side of the interstate. The man fell from his prestigious perch as an attorney into the depths of alcoholism. Now, the good news is he's on his way back thanks to the love of his wife and his family and because of the work of Alcoholics Anonymous. But in a profound sense, you see, most people don't come to God by themselves. Among the many things that surprised this particular man on his way back to life was church. Like many smart people, he thought of church in a kind of cynical way. He always considered himself just one or two notches above all of that. Church was for losers, intellectual wimps. But now this man said, you'd be amazed at what I've learned about God lately. Really, like what? So many things, he says. All I'd heard all my life in church had suddenly become real to me. Words like those Christian slogans that I've heard all my life are suddenly amazingly real and deep and true. Yeah, well, like what? Well, like you can only find your life by losing it. Or take up your cross and follow me. Or even you must be born from above. Then he went on to say, through my pain by hitting bottom, I've met God. And who is this God that you've met? God to me, he says, is a relentless, devastating friend who won't have us until we are down on our knees like a baby weak and helpless and I don't know whether I've been born or I've died now it's no small thing to get loved by God like that and have your life touched in such a profound way but I think I think that's what Christ is talking about when he said, unless you become like a child, you can't even see the kingdom of God. We preachers have a tendency to preach in a way that the message comes across something like this. Now, you people ought to try a little harder to act as Christians so that you can become Christians. And it may leave you feeling a little nice, but just a little bit guilty. And lots of people think that's indeed what a sermon is all about. A little instruction, a little motivation to help you get up and straighten up and fly right so you can become the Christian you profess to be. Now, as reasonable as all of that sounds... It's got the whole thing backwards. Jesus says, let the children come to me, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. 
It's not like you ought to act like somebody. It's much more like you are somebody. So for God's sake, act like it. You hear the difference? Parents can only do so much. We all know that. You are the ones whom God loves. You are the ones for whom Christ has died. You are not unloved. You are not nobody. You are children of the holy, royal family. And you belong at this table. All of you. Every one of you. So become who you are. Children of the Almighty God. I don't know about you, but I sometimes wish that I could get that message across, especially to my children, my friends, my colleagues, because sometimes I actually get it backwards. I mean, I, I imply to people that somehow they have to make the grade with me and they also have to make the grade with God. So rather than announcing to them that they've already made the grade, thanks to Jesus Christ, people close to me sometimes feel that they have to earn my love. But with the kind of receptivity that Jesus is talking about, the rest of life really shouldn't be about earning love at all. It's a thankful response to who we are already. I mean, after all, it would be completely impossible and idiotic for any of us to try and love and forgive in the way that we sense God is telling us, given our limited lives, if we have not already been loved and forgiven and graced as children of God? And in this world of anger and hate, it is possible to begin to love because we have been loved. In a world at war with itself, we can be at peace because God has made peace with us. So here's the irony. We are much less than we pretend to be. But so too are we much more than we think we are. Because we are loved by a God who is much greater than we can know. Certainly our hearts go out today to those families who have lost loved ones in the tragic shooting in Oregon this week at the community college campus. It is a great sadness that our children seem to be in the line of fire 
as things spin out of control and troubled people take out their rage on innocent people. It isn't enough to only concern ourselves with our own children, but it's a beginning there. And I do hope and I believe with all my heart that Christ has already welcomed those children into His loving embrace and blessed them. And as parents, I guess sometimes we need to be reminded that we haven't yet fulfilled the challenge of parenting when we have simply taken care of the bills for another month. We too often think that preparing our children for a career, we have thus prepared them for life. We should be, I think, giving our children not only the good things of life, but the great things. We need to help our children recognize they are loved unconditionally by our Lord and teach them to nurture and care for what God has breathed into them and into their lives. Today is World Communion Sunday. In 1936, a handful of Presbyterian ministers gathered together to discuss and to pray about their concerns following World War I as the world drifted towards another war. Division within the church limited any witness to the call to live in peace among the nations of the world. And as those ministers talked and prayed, they discerned that the Lord's Supper instituted by Jesus Christ with the disciples on the eve of his death, had the power to unite all Christians everywhere. In receiving the bread and the cup, Christians of every ethnic group and nationality and economic status, all languages, all denominations, all political affiliations, declare Christ the Lord of life. And they become together the body of Christ living in the world. All the divisions begin to melt away as we eat and drink Christ with brothers and sisters. And so, the first World Communion Sunday was organized and celebrated and Christians around the world picked up on that theme. As in 1936, our world is still filled with divisions and growing tensions, and it's still in need of a witness from God's people that there's another way to live, peacefully with one another rather than apart from one another or against one another. When we eat and we drink at the Lord's table, we celebrate both our diversity and our unity. And we proclaim together our witness to the world that a church dedicated to Christ will endure. Jesus Christ is our living peace. So today we celebrate unity amidst our diversity. And on this table, all these breads from around the world and these stoles that we wear proclaim together 
God's saving power for a world divided. And Jesus took them up in his arms. He laid his hands upon them. And he blessed them. Let us pray. Gracious God, by your grace, you have created a world like this and people like us. And as we grow up and grow old, we take on the responsibilities of adulthood and we give up our childishness. But help us always to retain our childlikeness so that we may not only worship you, we may enjoy you forever. And that we will be able to receive from you that which we need most and find the courage to live in love in this broken world and yet reflect the light of the kingdom of heaven. Lift the burdens from our shoulders of having to get it all right and feed us once again at this table with the knowledge that we are already all right. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our living Lord. And then empower us to live with greater thanksgiving and greater impact for the sake of your children, those whom you welcome into your arms. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.